Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everyone. Shep Hyken here back on Amazing Business Radio with another episode. And I'm excited because in just a little while, we're going to have an interview with my good friend, Dr. Michael LaBeouf, the author of How to Win Customers and Keep Them for Life. Michael was one of my idols growing up, so to speak, in the customer service and speaking world. I first read his book in the late 1980s, mid to late 1980s, and it was really an inspiration. Um, Love the book, and you're going to love the interview, I am sure. So what I want to talk about now has a lot to do with Michael's philosophies in his book uh, that we're going to be talking about, and that is about how to win those customers and keep them forever. So Dr. Professor, or Dr., a professor, Dr. Ted Levitt, senior professor at Harvard Business School. Every once in a while, I love to quote from Harvard because it makes me sound really smart sometimes. But this guy, uh, Dr. Ted Levitt, was a genius. He wrote a book called Marketing Imagination. And in the book, one of the big questions uh, he posed was, what's the function of every business? And most people would say to make money. And you may have heard me talk about this in earlier shows, but the goal is not to make money or the function is not to make money. Excuse me. The goal is to actually make money. The function of a business is to get and keep customers. So getting and keeping customers is the function. Making money is the goal. And if you confuse the function of a business with the goal of the business, you don't always hit your goal. And that was the essence of his concept in marketing imagination, at least the one that stuck and struck out the most for me. So that brings us to a story. Uh, I interviewed, gosh, it has to have almost been um, almost a year ago. I actually interviewed him on this show, Amazing Business Radio, back when we were working with CBS. It was uh, Tariq Farid, who is the CEO of Edible Arrangements. And if you aren't familiar with Edible Arrangements, it's like a flower shop, but instead of flowers, they sell bouquets of fresh fruit. So uh, you should see the way they cut up the cantaloupe and the strawberries and the apples, and they make them taste absolutely delicious and look just beautiful. Well, he created this sensation. He started the company when he was actually in high school, and he turned it into what is now a 1,200-unit international franchise organization. And he did it by just blowing away his customers with a level of service that allowed him to compete and win in the very competitive business that he's in. And he walks the talk, and he's got this three-word mission statement, which is to wow you, to wow you. It's that simple. And he said it had to do with listening to his mother's very smart advice, which was to don't chase the money. And what she meant by that is uh, if you care more about the money than you do your customers, you're not going to always make the sale. And if you want to make the sale, you might not keep the customer long term. So what it really means is to put the customer before the sale. And I think it's best summed up with a story that actually happened to me uh, a number of years ago. And I've written about this several times. I think it's a great story to illustrate the point that making the sale was far less important than keeping the customer. I went to a a mall to buy a shirt that was advertised on sale. And when the store uh, didn't have my particular size, the salesperson picked up the phone and didn't call another one of uh, the brand stores in the area, but actually called a competitor store 
to find out if they had the shirt. And they did, and they asked if they would hold the shirt for me so I can go over and pick it up. And I thought, wow, that's pretty incredible that they would actually lose the sale and send me to a competitor. But that's how confident that she was that, number one, uh, I would appreciate what she did for me, and number two, that I would come back. And I remember years ago talking with a retail chain where uh, they're a hardware store chain, and and during the, the peak snow times, they might run out of snow shovels or a snow blower or salt or whatever, uh, which sounds like, how could they run out of that? Well, let me tell you, when there's a big snowstorm, it could happen. And so what this store did, knowing that customers were going to come in and actually ask for this product, is they did two things. Number one, they called their competitors to see if they had any in stock. And they would actually go and pick up the competitor's stock, pay retail for it, to turn around and sell it with no profit whatsoever to their customers. But on the off chance that they were actually out of the product, they would pick up the phone, call another retailer, a competitor, and send the customer over to that store to get the item. And rather than uh, just you know have that customer walk away going, well, gosh, where should I go now? They directed them. And once again, it was all about the confidence they had in taking that care, care of that customer to the point where that customer would want to come back and do business with them because they knew that customer was being put in front of the sale. So, as uh, Tariq's mother would say, don't chase the money, chase the customer. So with that in mind, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Dr. Michael LaBeouf. You're going to love this guy. This is Shep Hyken on Amazing Business Radio. We'll be right back. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information. All you have to do is go to my website, hyken.com. That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the Shepherd Letter form, and each week you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more, all about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio, and I promised you an amazing interview. And today we are talking to one of my, I could jokingly call him childhood idol, because back in the early 1980s when I first started getting into this business, I said, I'm, I'm going to go to the business bookstore, and I'm going to buy every single book that has to do with customer service. And there were like three of them. And so anytime a new one came out, I would go to the store and, and buy it, and I'd constantly look for it. And there was a woman at the B. Dalton bookstore that was right around the corner from where I live that was so nice. She would call me and say, we got a new one. Well, I'm going to tell you about one of the books. It was just one of my all-time favorites. came out in 1987 and has been uh, reprinted over 30 times, and that was before the second printing or the second edition, excuse me, that happened uh, back uh, about maybe 15 years ago, and it's been reprinted a number of times since then. And that is with author Dr. Michael LaBeouf, who has become a great friend. Every time I go to Phoenix, Arizona, he and I get to hang out. He is a professor emeritus at the University of New Orleans, where he taught for over 20 years. He has eight books that have sold over 2 million copies published in dozens of languages, and uh, some of them include Working Smart, Imagineering, uh, The Greatest Manageable Principle of All Time, The Millionaire in You, and the book we're going to talk about today, which is 
how to win customers and keep them for life. Michael, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Well, hi, Shep, and it's great to be with you again. And I hope this introduction would make Elkie proud of you. Well, I hope so. Uh, but of course, she knows the real story. <laughs> so, yeah, you and I, <laughs> you and I bet, met back around probably 1988 or 89. Uh, when did you join the National Speakers Association? I joined NSA in 1984. Yeah. Uh, I, I happened uh, I happened to go to a, uh, one of the uh, ASTD American Society for Training Development meetings. And I happened to sit next to a woman there who was starting a New Orleans chapter of NSA. And who was that? Uh, uh, that was, her name was Ginger Bondi. And uh, she um, uh, told me about they were going to have an organizational meeting and, uh, uh, in New Orleans in that spring. And, uh, and so I went there, and uh, as I walked in the door, this elderly gentleman shook my hand and said, uh, Hello, Michael. Nice to meet you. I'm Cavett Robert. Well, it turned out, as you know, that Cavett Robert was the founder of the National Speakers Association, took the time to come there, and they said, well, uh, you need to come to our first annual convention, and that first annual convention was in Phoenix, of all places. It was my first place, first trip to Phoenix, and uh, I thought, wow, this is a really nice place. I could live here. So, and you uh, do. <laughs> hey, hey. So NSA uh, had a real profound uh, effect on my life, and uh, uh, I'm very glad I joined. So National Speakers Association has changed a lot of lives. Here, here's the thing, Michael. You, you've done amazing things, and you wrote this book, How to Win Customers and Keep Them Forever. And this was after you wrote The Greatest Management Principle uh, in the World. Is that right? That's correct. It's, you know what's ironic is when I joined NSA, uh, the National Speakers Association, the greatest management principle in the world was written, but had not come out in, had not been published yet. And while I, that week that I was at NSA, uh, Nightingale Conant got interested in doing an audio program or another company got interested in doing a video program. All sorts of good things happened that very week I was at NSA. It was almost like a, an incredible magic moment. Well, and I love that word, magic moment, as you know. I thought you would. <laughs> yep. So uh, how did you decide to write a book about customer service? Well, quite honestly, uh, I looked around. I'd, I'd written uh, four other books prior to that, and uh, the greatest management principle in the world was very simple. But, uh, uh, I, I had prior to the greatest management principle, I'd written a book on productivity, and read all kinds of theories about productivity, and uh, I learned that if you uh, – if you listen to enough experts and read all their opinions, you'll become totally confused. And so um, shortly after that book was out, I went to uh, speak at a uh, conference in uh, Vail, Colorado, and a guy told a story. And when I heard this little story, I realized what all the problems of productivity boil down to. And the story goes like this. A man went fishing one day. He looked over the side of his boat, and he saw a snake with a frog in his mouth. So he feels sorry for the frog, so he takes the frog away from the snake, and he lets the frog go free. But then he feels sorry for the snake. So he looks around the boat for some food, and he doesn't have any food in the boat. All he has is a bottle of bourbon. So he takes out a little of the bourbon. He gives the snake a few shots. The snake goes off happy. The man's happy. He thinks everything's great. Until about 10 minutes go by, and he hears something knock at the side of his boat, and the snake is back with two frogs. So 
the moral of that story is, uh, first, you get more of the behavior you reward. You don't get what you hope for, ask for, wish for, or beg for. You get what you reward. People and creatures behave in their own best interest. And second, in trying to do the right things, we sometimes inadvertently reward the wrong behavior and reward the wrong results. We pay top managers. Uh, we ask top managers to think long-term. We give them short-term bonuses. Uh, we, we tell white-collar people you've got to conserve resources. If their budget, uh, they don't spend all their budget, their budget gets cut. Uh, we tell blue-collar workers to be productive, but their, their incentives are, uh, well, we better not work too hard. They may like some of us off. So their incentive is uh, uh, they have no job security and uh their job is to do the minimum amount of work necessary to keep their jobs. In all cases, these people didn't behave poorly because they were ignorant or stupid or lazy. They behaved the way the reward system teaches them to behave. And so that greatest management principle book was about how it gave people 10, 10 types of behavior they need to reward instead of 10 types that are commonly rewarded. And that book did very well. But then when I, I finished that book, I realized that I talked about rewarding one person but the most important person. The customer. Oh, yeah. So basically, the, of the how to win customers and keep them alive is about how to reward customers and create a great service culture. Yeah, and there weren't many books about customers. I think uh, Ron Zemke and uh, Albrecht, um, what was his first name? Uh, but those two. Carl Albrecht. Carl Albrecht. They, they, they had written a couple, three books. I know Ron had that big. And, and Tom Peters came out with a book, In Search of Excellence. Which I I I kind of tie that to a customer service type of of a book, uh, but there really weren't that many books about customer service back in the eighties. I'll tell you an interesting little secret too. Uh, I read the Peters book and I read the Service America, which was the Albrecht and Zimke book, mm-hmm. and I looked at that and I read it. And I said, well, you know, these books are really good. They they make the point about customer service. But there's not a how-to. There's really not a how-to tip in there. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, if somebody wrote a how-to book on that. They'd clean up on it, and I did. Yeah, you did. So let's get to the how-tos. In the book, you okay. say that there's one or more issues that usually cause customer service problems. And by the way, uh, everybody listening, uh, Michael breaks this down so simply that even a guy like me who was in his 20s, just really starting to learn about this and really getting into it, could take it and run. Uh, my book, Moments of Magic, which I wrote about two years after reading this book, uh, this was a great influence on it. So uh, share some of these amazing insights with it. What, what are the main issues that cause customer service problems? Well, there are basically three problems or three issues uh, that you have to address if you're going to create a, a great customer service organization. First of all, the first problem is most employees just haven't been taught the basics and the importance of creating and keeping customers. So when a customer comes in with an inquiry or a complaint or something, the, the whole customer contact gets mishandled simply because employees don't know any better. Very simple. Second thing is that what's been called the moments of truth are not being properly identified and managed. Every time a customer comes in contact with a business, over the phone, through a letter, in person, whatever, that's a moment of truth. And that customer is going to come away feeling better or worse about that, that contact. And how a company manages those moments of truth in the aggregate will determine how successful that business becomes. Right. Yep. That's Third why. The problem is, 
So you have to learn to identify and manage moments of truth. Right, and that's what and we call the uh, moments of misery, moments of mediocrity, and moments of magic in my world. Right. Right. Exactly, exactly. So the third, so one. the third one. The third one is the reward system. And simply put, excellent service is rare because most businesses reward customers for, I mean, reward employees for something other than taking care of the customer. Typical business hires an employee, puts them on the front line, gives them little or no training and tells them, pays them by the hour, and then says, be nice to the customer. And in that type of environment where you're just paying people for showing up and by the hour, your service culture will probably denigrate, uh, deteriorate to something uh, uh, of either indifference or negligence. You go, you, go into, you go into these places and you hear people say, oh, uh, they've got this attitude. They don't say it, but it's like, oh, if you've got a problem, call customer service. That's what they're paid for. <laughs> you know, you get this attitude. Boy, this would be a great place to work if we didn't have to put up with the customers. But to the customer, that person is the business. And they're going to make a decision about whether they're going to buy and come back based on that contact with that employee. So the whole theme of how to win customers and keep them for life was to focus on serving, solving those three particular problems. Wow, that's great. All right, so I want to end this uh, short segment before we take a quick break and then come back. You'll give us some real how-tos. But in one of the chapters, you discuss uh, what you call the better-than-selling principle, and you illustrate it with a true story. So uh, you're, you're, by the way, a master storyteller, and I want to make sure we get a couple of these great stories in on on our next segment. But go ahead, share this one with us. Okay. Uh, Do we take a break now, or do you want to go down? No, no, no. Let's talk about it now, and then we'll take a a break. Oh, okay. Well, one of the chapters in the book, as you said, is called The Better Than Selling Principle. And I I, I tell people, uh, I'm going to tell you this principle, but before I tell you, I want to tell you a story about a guy I know who actually practices it. Okay, it was 1981, and my first book, Working Smart, had been published. And uh, I was hired by Pacific Northwest Bell, which was one of the telephone companies back then in the early 80s that served the uh, Oregon-Washington area, to do a a series of radio and television commercials for them uh, on the theme of uh, Use the Business to Business L Yellow Pages, and you'll be working smart. So... um, I heard that I was going to be I was going to be getting uh, paid to do this and go out to California and make this nice video and so I decided I need to find a new suit to to look really good and project the right image. So I walk into a clothing store and maybe five minutes from my home in a Lakeside Shopping Center in Metairie, Louisiana, and I meet a clothing salesman named Fred Aubert. Mm. And uh, I told Fred who I was and what I was doing. And Fred gave me such good service that I was his customer all the way until he retired, even after I moved to Arizona. So I told him I was getting ready to do a uh, a, a series of radio and TV commercials, and I wanted a, a suit that would really look good. It was, you know, the business expert type thing. So he listened to me, and uh, he even asked for a copy of my book, and I brought him the book and came back. And he said, well, I think I've got a good suit for you. So he fits me in a beautiful three-piece, navy blue, pinstripe suit, fit great. And I bought it. I thought I was all set for the uh, commercial. So then I find out from the uh, advertising agency that was was handling this deal that they uh, were going to have me opening a uh, a giant book replica of the business to business yellow pages, and it was a black cover, and the dark suit wouldn't go there because it would, I would blend into the background. So I needed a gray suit. So I back go back to Fred. Fred says, "Well, uh, I can take your other suit back." I said, "No, no, this is fine. I'll keep it. It's, it'll be good for 
speaking engagements or whatever. So uh, so we tried on several gray suits, but none of them seemed to fit. It just didn't seem right. So Fred tells me, you know, uh, what I really suggest you do is go to Rubenstein Brothers. Rubenstein Brothers was like the upscale uh, men's clothing store in downtown mm-hmm. New Orleans. Probably still is. So very good, very good merchandise. And they were a, a very strong competitor for where Fred worked. So I went down there and found the right suit. He said, well, Fred didn't sell you that uh, another gray suit. He could have talked me into the suit, but he wanted to make sure I got the right fit. So that's the kind of guy Fred was. On another occasion, I was I had another important speaking engagement coming up, and uh, uh, I walked into the store, and Fred had this beautiful suit, and I said, this is a really good suit. This is a great fit for me. He said, why don't you come back in a couple of weeks? We're having a sale. I came back and bought the suit for half price. So on other occasions, he had me, uh, I, you know, I went to Singapore to speak. I brought some suits back from Singapore. He uh he tailored them to my to me much better than they did in Singapore. And didn't charge me a dime for it. Uh, he he would call me when he had something. Well, anyhow, let me cut to the chase of all this. He's a, he's a phenomenal customer service salesperson. One day I'm in Porter Stevens. That's the name of the business he worked for. And he says, "Oh, I've got got some interesting news." I said, "What's that?" He says, "I got some people from Fortune Magazine coming in to take my picture next week." Fortune Magazine. I mean, this guy's not on Park Avenue. He's in Metairie, Louisiana. I said, what are, they, what, are you, what are they calling you? What are they doing this for? He said, well, I've, I've been a pretty good salesman for uh, Hartmark's clothing. Well, it turned out that at that time, he'd been the top salesman in the nation for Hartmark's and went on to continue that. And over a 20-year period, he had the highest sales volume, and it was more than double the sales volume of the person who was in second place. This guy was an incredible salesman, and I never knew it because he never put pressure on me. He never tried to talk me into buying anything. He wasn't a slick guy. He would always take time. He would be working three or four customers in the store at the same time. But everybody felt like Fred was there. And, if, you know, you go to New Orleans and you live in New Orleans, everybody knew who Fred was. Mm-hmm. And Fred practiced the better than selling principle. And that was? Okay. Okay. Now, three, three things you have to know about the selling principle is, first of all, uh, Every employee's goal should be to create and keep customers. And Fred is the master at keeping customers. As I said, you know, he could have bought, sold me that gray suit, but he wanted to learn my loyalty, and he did. You know, uh, making a sale makes a, makes money. Uh, keeping a customer makes lots of money, <laughs> okay? Uh, second point, there's a very big difference between selling and helping people to buy. Traditional selling is manipulative in nature. It says, oh, let's take what we sell and talk somebody into buying it. You know, when I taught management uh, many years ago in college, I would ask college students uh, majoring in business, how many of you want to make a lot of money when you get out of school? Of course, every hand goes up. So how many of you are interested in a career in selling? Very few hands went up. Why would so many people who want to make so much money pass? on one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid profession in the world. It's because they think of selling as an arm-twisting, manipulative activity and want no part of it. But helping people to buy is very different. So let's take it, instead of trying to talk people into buying what we have, let's listen to what their needs are. And if we can help them, we can show them how we can benefit them or send them somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So that's the 
second point, and the third point, which is a follow-up, which is, which is very obvious. People love to buy but hate to be sold. You know, that's, you know, when you buy that new house, when you buy that new car, it's a real high for you if it turns out well. But, boy, if it turns out bad, some, some so, so-and-so sold it to you. So the better-than-selling principle is really simple. Focus on what customers want and need, help them to buy what's best for them, and make them feel good about it. If you do that, you'll probably sell more than anybody who's out there who is a fast, slick-talking salesman. Right. I call that selling with service. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, you'll share some uh, real how-tos with how to deliver amazing customer service that wins customers and keep them for life. We've been talking with Dr. Michael LaBeouf, the author of many different books, but one of my all-time, I can't say it's childhood idols, but early in my career idols when uh, I read his book, and it was very influential in all the work that I've done since. Michael, thanks for being on the show. We're going to be right back, so don't go away, Michael. Don't go away, everyone, because we have lots more where this is coming from. We'll be right back. Chef Hygen here. How would you like customer service training anytime you want it or need it, day or night? Well, with Shepherd Virtual Training, you will have world-class customer service training at your fingertips online 24-7, 365 days a year. Just go to www.shepondemand.com. Once again, that's shepondemand.com. And remember, always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. We're talking with Dr. Michael LaBeouf about customer service and how to win your customers and keep them forever. And, and I'm getting a sense that uh, it's not just about giving great service. It's about selling with great service, which is which is a great principle to think about. And, and I love the line that you had earlier uh, just before we cut out for the break. It was people love uh, – yeah, they love to buy, but they hate to be sold. And so I think that's a strong uh, way of saying, you know, do your best to build a relationship, give people what they want. The three principles that you talked about, phenomenal. All right, five best ways to keep customers coming back. That's a comment uh, and a note that I made here. You have more than five, but go ahead and share them with us, the five that you want to talk about. Well, I have a chapter titled The Five Best Ways to Keep Coming Back, and it was was basically a uh, an expansion on some research done by four guys who were doing service uh, management research at Texas A&M uh, many, many years ago. And they, uh, they, they uh, basically interviewed over 900 customers from various industries. And what they found was hardly shocking. It seems like elaboration on the obvious. But what they found is what customer-driven business had, had known and practiced for years. And the first and most important one, and if you don't remember anyone else, anything else, remember this one. Be reliable. Do what you say you're going to do. Do it when you say you're going to do it. Do it right the first time. Get it done on time. When it comes to service, uh, that's what customers want most. Consistent performance is the difference between the uh, – the, uh, the champions in the old lands, whether it's sports, whether it's business, whether it's any activity, consistency is what matters most. Yeah, customers Second, like that. It's predictable, it's consistent, it creates confidence. All right, you're getting ready to tell us yeah. number two. Number two is to be credible. 
the one thing customers readily pay for is peace of mind. We go back to businesses and people who sincerely want to help us and have our best interest at heart. We want security, integrity, insurance. If there's a problem, that will be handled at no cost. We don't want hidden agendas, hard sell techniques, and extra charges with fine print. Uh, the first personal computer I bought, which is a Macintosh in, uh, in uh, early 1986 or late 1985, something like that, uh, I bought from uh, a guy I knew in New Orleans because his reputation for no-at-risk shopping. Uh, the Macintosh was a pretty new computer then. And he says, well, I'll come and put one on your desk. And he says, if you're going to have problems, you'll have problems probably within a month. And uh, if you have a problem, call me, and I'll bring you a new one. So I bought a new one. He, showed, he set it all up. I uh, was working away on it. One day, the screen goes blank. I call him up. It was like two weeks into this. He brings me a new one that worked for the five years that I had it. So that's a com- that's an example of credibility. Mm. People pay pe- for peace of mind, and credibility brings customers back. Third one is to be attractive. Appearances can be deceiving, but customers make a lot of decisions about the quality of a business based on what they sense. And anything that the the uh, anything that the customer uh, uh, sees, hears, feels, tastes, or smells. Uh, it's going to shape their opinion of the business for better or worse. Uh, an airline chairman put it this way, coffee stains on the flip-down trays mean to the customer that we do our engine maintenance wrong. Right, the point right. Is, so. Yeah, that's Jan Carlson said it in his book, Moments of Truth, that if the tray table uh, doesn't work right, will the landing gear go down? Exactly. So, that's exactly another way of putting it. So, Michael, to your point, and specifically about attractiveness, you, you mentioned the senses. You're, you are way ahead of your time because today people no longer talk about just customer service. They say, we want to have a great customer experience. And that's so much more exactly. than just the way people treat people. It is the touch, the feel, the senses, the smell, everything that goes to it, the look of things. And that doesn't mean you have to, you know, um, you know, have a look that's, you know, like you're a Hollywood model or a Hollywood actor. Uh, but you you do have to have a sense about what perception you're giving off with all this. So number one, be reliable. Number two, be credible. Number three, be attractive. What's number four? Number four is be responsive. Oh yeah. People don't when people want service, they want it now. We both know. Uh, uh, a physician in New Orleans named Neil Baum. Yes, who whiz. great policy uh, in his office. Uh, if you're if he's more than 15 minutes late for your appointment, excluding a medical emergency, he doesn't charge the the, the patient for a visit. That's what I thought was a, a good one. Uh, but it means the responsiveness being being available uh, and accessible and willing to help the customer whenever they have a problem and keeping them informed. Classic example, uh, one night in New Orleans, uh, uh, my garbage disposal got uh, clogged up the sink, thanks to stupidity on my part. And so I uh, went to the Yellow Pages, and I picked up, picked out the, uh, uh, the name of a plumber, called him up. It said 24-hour service. I called a guy up, and he said, okay, I'll call you back shortly, and we'll end up something. He calls me back and, uh, uh, and says, I'll have a plumber there within a half an hour. Plumber comes in, unstops the sink. I pay him. He goes away. I'm a very happy customer. The sink worked fine. Uh, about 30 minutes after that, the plumbing uh, service calls again. Was your plumber there? Yes. 
was the uh, was the service taken care of? Yes, it was. Well, please keep in mind, we have a 30-day money-back guarantee, and if you have any problems, just call us. We'll come out at no charge. I was very impressed with that. And a few days later, I get a thank-you note from the plumbing service with a decal that says, we hope you'll take this decal and put it on your phone or someplace where if you ever need us, you'll call us again. So you know what I did? I took that decal and slapped it on the garbage disposal. Who do you think <laughs> I called if I had a service problem? Because they were responsive. Yeah, I love that. You know, and again, uh, being ahead of your time, today uh, we just had a survey done a little bit earlier this year, just a few months ago, and they looked at the top five customer expectations. And I believe number four of the five was responsiveness, speed, quick, you know, uh, response time. And you take a look at what's going on today when you email somebody. Uh, Michael, what do you think the typical response time is for a company to get back to somebody on an email? You know, I don't have a clue. Well, I'm going to blow you away, okay, because you're going to get you're you're not going to get old waiting. You're going to get older because you're already old. No, I'm just I just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, seven hours before somebody oh. e- yeah yeah in an email in, in the world of technology i'll just email them they'll get back to me right away no they won't uh if you tweet something out the average brand is waiting about seven plus hours you know and and facebook it's a little bit faster it's about half that time but here's the point you've got companies out there like 1-800-Flowers if you tweet something out their goal is to respond within five minutes they're skewing that average to become lower than it actually is because I know there's some companies that go two and three days. We tweeted out something to a company, and it took them five days to respond to us. Five days. So anyway, wow. uh, ahead of your time, responsiveness. And finally, number five. I can, I can, give, I can give you a, a recent story of, of how responsiveness pays off. Sure. Uh, I I'm an amateur radio operator, and I was looking to buy a very nice uh, radio RF amplifier uh, made in Italy. And the demand for this amplifier is so great in the United States that the waiting list is something like six to ten months long to get one after you place your order. Well, I'm on the radio, and I'm talking to a guy in New Zealand, and he tells me, oh, I bought mine in a week from from a place in Australia. So he gives me the uh, email address of the place in Australia. I call him. I get a response within an hour. And say, yeah, we got them in stock. And the price, once you trans, once you paid the freight and the insurance and everything, was less than the price they were asking for in the United States. And I got it in a week. Wow. Who wins the business? Responsiveness does. Yep. Yeah, exactly. All right. And finally, number five. Be empathic or empathetic. Every customer is a special individual who wants to be as treated as such. He has his own unique personality, wants and reasons for buying, and to the extent that you help him behave, uh, him, uh, that you treat him as someone special and solve his unique problems, he's going to be your customer. Yeah. So those are the five factors. You can sum it up by remembering the words reliable care. Reliable will remind you that reliability is the most important factor, and care is an acronym. C for credibility, A for attractiveness, R for responsiveness, E for empathy, and reliable care is what keeps customers coming back. All right, reliable care. Great information. All right, we have time for just one more tip for us, just one quick tip before we wrap it all up. Is there one thing you want us to absolutely – well, you've kind of said it, if there's one thing we should remember. But give us one more nugget that we absolutely need to know before we end our conversation today. 
rewarding the customer is everybody's job, and rewarding the customer. Reward, sorry, let me start that over. Recording the rewarding the customer is everybody's job, and rewarding those who reward the customer is management's job. You can't treat your employees like yesterday's newspaper and expect them to treat the customers any better. Stu Leonard has a great line because I think it's great to end this interview with. He says, if it's going to be a great place to shop, it has to be a great place to work. Oh, yeah. Amen. And for those who don't know, Stu Leonard owns probably one of the most, if not if not the most, successful grocery store. Not a chain, although I think there's two of them. Oh, um, there's four or five now. Oh. You know, it's interesting. He retired from the business over 20 years ago, and his children are running it. Yeah. And they do a great job. But four or five is far from, like, a, a Wegmans or a Publix or some oh, of these oh, that yeah. have hundreds and hundreds. But these stores are doing unbelievable they're they're legendary in the in the food industry and Stu leonard is one of the icons in the world of customer service just like you are oh i'm not an icon i'm a relic (laughs) you're a relic (laughs) (laughs) that's great well we've been talking with michael labeouf the author of how to win customers and keep them forever amongst other books he is just a phenomenally great guy, and I am proud, Michael, to say that you and I are great friends. And I love every time that I have time in Phoenix, you and I go out and get a great meal. So we're going to keep that going. Uh, that's, that's the deal. And as long as, I'm, as long as I'm above ground, just give me a call when you come in town. All right. I promise. Everybody, thanks for listening. This is Shep Hyken on Amazing Business Radio reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.